Welcome to the Church Brain Guide podcast with Michael Persad. I am eager to share with you our podcast today. We've got a lot of good information coming uh, to you, and uh, we have a special guest. His name is Bishop Jack Vaughn, and he's a pillar in the Kansas City, Kansas community. He's been around for a very long time as the pastor of Evangelistic Center in uh, just in the heart of Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, he's been doing this for several decades. Before that, his father has been the pastor of Evangelistic Center, and uh, between the two of them, they've just been serving this community for a very long time. Uh, a few weeks ago, we actually had uh, Bishop Vaughn's son, Justin Vaughn, on the show, and Justin began to unpack how we worked together with him to rebrand the Evangelistic Center and begin to reach out to young people and shift some things to be more outward focused in, in how the, uh, the church approaches ministry, serving the community, going out there, cleaning up the block, uh, serving the homeless people in the area. So Justin unpacked a lot of those things and the mindset that it took to, to get there. And he shared with us as a as a son, as a champion of a you know just a younger generation in in the in the church, he was able to influence uh, a little at a time uh, to allow the the leadership of the church, Bishop Vaughn, ultimately to get on board with this this big idea of reaching this younger generation and uh, doing some things differently as a result of that. So in this episode, we uh, we have Bishop Jack Vaughn who's going to be uh, speaking towards this. He, he wants to just unpack what this has meant to, uh, his, to the church, to Evangelistic Center, and also to him. He, uh, he at first wasn't completely sure about this, but little by little he saw some, uh, some wins beginning to take place, and now he is a champion of this. He loves this idea of being more outward-focused and putting putting finances behind creating media, which is then strategically placed on uh, on Facebook and on the website. Uh, videos are shown in the congregation on, the, on a weekly basis, and he's, uh, he's all over this. He loves it. He loves to do a uh, sermon series now, uh, and it's something that he, he leans into. We, we, uh, we create video promotions for each of the weeks of the series. Um, we've got new signage in the facility, creating spaces for kids and, and for teenagers. And he sees the, uh, the benefit of all this. And now he's championing this uh, across the country. Bishop Vaughn is highly regarded and asked to speak in different uh, venues. And as he travels, he just begins to unpack and share this, uh, this leadership principle with, uh, with people that he comes in, into contact with. And so just in, in my interaction with him, uh, I asked him if he would mind coming on our podcast and sharing this, this new insight. This, uh, uh, it's not really a new insight. It's just more of a, um, a thing that he finds a great deal of value in that he can share with the younger generation especially so that they can be more effective in reaching people. So he has an amazing way of putting it. I want to encourage you to listen to this podcast episode today and just enjoy Bishop Vaughn as he begins to unpack this big idea. And he, I call it branding. He know he was he's not necessarily a uh, creative, uh, you know, professional. Uh, he's a, he's a pastor, so he has a much more different way to put it. And I think it's just really neat to to listen to it from his perspective. So let's get right into it today as we welcome Bishop Jack Vaughn to the Church Brand Guide podcast. 
All right. Well, I'm here with Bishop Jack Vaughn, who has joined us on our podcast today, and he's going to just help us begin to understand the rebranding process that he's gone through, and then also just talk about his passion for young leaders and, and just church leaders today in general. So, Bishop Vaughn, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a joy to be here with you today and excited about what's going to take place in the next few minutes. Oh, thanks. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Bishop, um, Bishop Vaughn, your son, Justin, was on our podcast a couple weeks ago, and we were talking with him just about the, uh, the rebranding process that uh, Evangelistic Center went through. So your church is in downtown Kansas City, and um, why don't you tell us a little bit of your story of how you got to be uh, Bishop Vaughn? Well, um, our ministry celebrates this year 52 years, so this is our 52nd birthday. So I was born at the church. (laughs) My dad and mom founded the church back in 1965, and dad made his transition December 30th, um, year 2003. And uh, we took over the reign of the ministry uh, fully right before he made his transition. Gotcha. So you've been doing this, uh, I guess, in, in the lead capacity since 19... 19- oh, I've been doing this in the lead capacity since I was 15 years old. Oh. <laughs> yeah, working uh, in different aspects of ministry. And I became a licensed minister at 17 and became ordained at 18 and became my dad's assistant pastor at the age of 18. Wow. Okay. And you're a great musician, right? Have you... uh... Well, I don't know about great musician. I I play a little bit. My oldest son, he plays uh, quite a variety of uh, musical instruments. Um, That's Pastor Cortez Vaughn, Bishop Cortez Vaughn, rather. And my second son, Julian Vaughn, he's an acclaimed uh, international jazz artist. Matter of fact, he just sent me a text message, and he's number one on the Smooth Jazz Church this week. Wow. And so I used to set them when they were small on the piano bench and organ bench and made them watch me. And then uh, Cortez started playing the drums at five and six. And so uh, just then he plays the saxophone if he'll pick it up. But all of them were musically inclined. So I do what I do. And when you're growing up in a minister's home, a pastor's home, you really much have to learn to do a lot of things. So music was one of the things I picked up to help out. Wonderful. Wow, that's a really neat uh, story. Just your family just um, is just so, I guess, gifted and talented in different ways and doing some amazing things. So Cortez is actually, he's a he's a pastor of his own church. Right, pastor of his own church, Faith City in Kansas City, Kansas, and he's recording orders also. He has some projects out and just did a recording on a project, and uh, so he's pretty musically inclined, and now his children are picking it up. Oh, yeah. And so, so they're all great, great musicians, all three of them. They're oh. young, but they're good musicians already. That's great. So let's, uh, let's talk about the story of uh, Evangelistic Center. Can you just talk about the, uh, maybe the, the development of the church? Absolutely. Um, I was 11 years old when the church started, started by my dad and mom. Uh, my dad, again, transitioned December 30th, 2003. My mom will be 93 this year. She's still coming to church every week. And um, we've been doing a very successful radio ministry for at least 45 years here in the greater metropolitan area. And my dad was known as radio pastor, so our uh, radio audience was quite vast. And um, after taking the realm of the ministry, uh, the uh, helm of the ministry, rather, and um, moving it forward in 21st century aspect, 
Uh, Justin, after graduating with his bachelor's and MBA, felt a call uh, with my prayers behind it, of course, to walk alongside us. He began to evaluate where we were, what we were working with, our time and our resources, and he began to bring suggestions to the table. And those suggestions brought us to where we are today here on this podcast with a lot of what we're doing now with social media and with our branding. Yeah, we uh, we were talking with Justin about how you become this uh, this leader, this thought leader within um, your community, where people are just uh, eager to learn about what you're doing, how you're doing it. Um, I guess can you can you take us through that process of where you began to make this shift or transition? Well, transition, uh, Mike, is never easy, uh, even when you want to make it. You know, you have to study it, uh, the ins and outs of it, the pros and cons, and when you look as a spiritual leader in our community and in our world, and you look at technology, I mean, the whole world is changing. Um, By the time uh, you get used to one um, technical aspect, then something else has changed while you're getting used to that. And when you look at the world changing, I'm a strong believer, principles always remaining the same, but methods change all the time. And uh, to me, it's very important for pastors and leaders in the church Uh, to understand this, that principles of the word of God, the righteousness and holiness of God, spiritual disciplines remain the same, but our methods of presenting them may have to be reevaluated. And I think that's what we did. We reevaluated some things. You look at growth, but you said, am I really maximizing? Am I really utilizing the potential of every tool that's available, uh, every resources out there for me? And when we begin to do that, um, we had to make some decisions and had to have some hard conversations with ourselves. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit to yes. let us know what that looked like? What may have worked in my mom and dad's day, my grandparents' day, for that matter, will not work today. Uh, the mission hasn't changed at the church, and the message hasn't changed, uh, but there's a shift change. And I like to say in that shift change comes a new crew. I mean, it's just like on a job. You know, I worked in corporate America And uh, the department that I worked in, we had first shift, second shift, third shift. Well, the mission of the company was still the same. We just had different people assigned to those different shifts. And so I see that with a rising generation coming along uh, who will speak the same message, but in perhaps a different fashion and a different style. And as a leader in my 60s, I think it's important that we stay connected and really my generation become that bridge Uh, to bridge the gap from the tradition to the contemporary and to the 21st century aspect of ministry now. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, I guess, so you're in your 60s. Yeah, I'm young, 62. They say that's the new 50s now, the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me how old I look. I look like a 40, right? (laughs) You look great. Right right now he's wearing a bow tie. looks looks amazing. But uh, I guess uh, you're in your 60s, but you really are doing, um, you're on Facebook, you've got live streaming, you've got, you know, a bunch of these, uh, you're getting ready to do a podcast. We'll, we'll unpack later on kind of your vision moving forward um, of what you want to do to be to be this thought leader. So I admire that. Like you, we go out on video shoots and, right. you know, you're, you're walking stairs with us and you're in a, a garbage dump talking about, you know, unpacking your, your garbage and uh, very active with media and video. What's the mentality that you have as it concerns the, the new media? Okay, well, I mentioned earlier, uh, shift change with a new crew at Rising Generation who will speak 
the same message, but a different fashion, different style. You know, one of the thoughts that comes to mind is the song Amazing Grace. I mean, everybody sings Amazing Grace. You'll hear it in different denominations. You'll hear it at a Catholic church with mass, at a funeral service there. You'll hear it in a Pentecostal church, a Baptist, a Methodist. But Amazing Grace sang in the key of G is Amazing Grace sang in B-fat. Amazing Grace is sang by a female soprano. It's the same Amazing Grace is sang by a male baritone. It's Amazing Grace. And I mentioned the rising generation. Uh, when you look at social media, you got a generation, as we know them, called the millennials. And I think you might fall into that. Yeah. The 18-year-old to the 34s. And that was given that name back, I think, somewhere like in 2015. Now the number is around 75.4 million, surpassing the 74.9 million baby boomers. Those are the ages of 51 to 69. Then you got Generation X, ages 35 to 50, is projected to pass the boomers in the population by 2028. So the millennial generation continues to grow even as the young immigrants expand its ranks in, in our country. But my son, as well as your generation, represent that ship change. They represent that new crew. And if we're going to keep them, if we're going to keep them in our churches, if we're going to reach them in our churches, ministry must be attractive and identifiable with them. And so, again, you ask what caused us to make the changes in the recent years, things like the logo, things like the website, the videos, and, and facility changes. And I think in your line of work, you call it branding, okay? Yeah. And, and that's what I believe. And I tell pastors now that branding needs to be your new best friend. Wow. Uh, well, I appreciate it that you are reaching out to my generation, you know, th that you're reaching out to not only me, to, but to help my family, my kids, you know, just kind of thinking about that as a, as a thought leader, you've been around for a long time and you're, you're saying that, hey, I want to shift and begin to reach this generation. Absolutely. Um, so it's, a, it's amazing to see that. And uh, I feel honored and privileged that you're doing something like this. So how has, how has that been received from people in your church? Well, first of all, when you look at this aspect of logos, websites, videos, facility signs, your branding, um, it clarifies your purpose, okay? And, and your purpose is your reason for existence. It's what is your desired effect in ministry that you're trying to achieve. You know, we can't just be satisfied with good church. We can't just be satisfied with the faithful few. Uh, but we've got to look at our purpose. We've got to look at our core values. And I believe the most important single element of any corporate, congregational, or denominational culture is the value system. And that's what the logos, that's what the social media, that's what the videos, all of that presents your value system, what you believe. The core values of a congregation answer the question, why we do what we do around here. That's good. How did you communicate the values uh, to your congregation? Well... When you look at communicating values to our congregation, um, there are things that you do. You look at the demographics, you look at the size of your church, you look at the history, and, and, and demonstrating that to your church, then you ask those questions to them. Uh, what do we stand for? What are we all about? What makes us different from the church down the street? How do we reflect our uniqueness? So a congregation's distinctive personality or their culture, their very nature, again, is the priorities and values are deeply held by the congregation, and they have demonstrated that in action. So we 
do that by sharing that with the congregation, making sure they're able to articulate that, uh, knowing that it shapes our ministry, it guides our decision-making, it guides our goal-setting, it helps us set our priorities, it helps us set our budget, and causes us to get the best use out of our human and material resources. And that's done in many different ways. And um, we can go, probably go on and on and on and on and talk about that. But in a nutshell, uh, they must have an understanding, again, to be able to answer those questions. What reflects our uniqueness? What is our mission? What is the thing that we're aligning ourselves with in our sense of purpose? And how are we going to shape this thing? So did you, uh, when, when you were presenting that, is it done in a sermon? Is it done in a class? Is it done on social media? How are you getting the message out? Um, it's, it's done in all, all facets, from the sermon. Uh, it's done by the touches that we have. It's done by the leadership teams. Uh, it's done in every ministry that the children, uh, the leaders of ministries, and I think that's your, your key strategy, is that your leadership team when they understand that, they understand the core values, what you stand for, why you do what you do. Um, again, when we look at logos, matter of fact, we have one, APMG, All People Matter to God. Everywhere you go, you see that. You see that on every floor. Uh, you see that on printed materials. Uh, we have our own clothing line. Uh, that's our APMG clothing line, All People Matter to God. So if you were to ask anyone from EC, uh, what guides your ministry? What is the driving force? They will tell you all people matter to God because I think the scripture reminds us that Jesus came to be, uh, to, that he might minister to the world and not to be ministered to himself. But his main thrust was coming because he loved the world and uh, God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son. And when you look at God loving the world, and bringing his own son to the world that we might have life and have that everlasting, I think it's important that we care again that message out and our people understand that people are our greatest asset. Yeah, so the all people matter to God, that has been a huge um, thing that I've seen in your church culture that has developed over the last several years. So we, we created this new logo, we put up new signage, we've started making some videos with you guys and uh, doing some of these, these, some, uh, some of these changes. But that all people matter to God vision, I think, has been uh, key. Uh, one of the keys that, to help people get on board with it. They're they're getting the T-shirts. It's up in the facility. Uh, you you preach about it. You talk about it. Um, so I think that's been a really good a really good brand sub brand uh, within your church to to help that vision get across. Did you get a lot of resistance? No, we didn't. Matter of fact, um, we got a lot of excitement. Uh, because when you look at branding, a brand cannot clearly accurately communicate your message unless all the right questions are asked and answered. And I think that's the thing. A lot of times in church, people will do, maybe because they're asked to do, and sometimes not always know why, but I think they do better, they do uh, more effectively when they understand why they do what they do. Uh, the questions I mentioned, what type of ministry am I part of? Who are we trying to reach? That's what all of your branding, your logos, all people matter to God. What are we trying to accomplish with this? What is our strategy for that? What are we trying to communicate? And, and how is this logo, how is this brand, how are these um, promos that we're doing, how is this going to help us? Uh, and, and what it really does, it gives your ministry a face. And so when people see that, they think, oh, that's EC, that's Bishop Vaughn. 
That's our faith, APMG. So did you used to do promotions and different things like that in the past, or is it something new? Yeah, we did it uh, uh, in a different way. We were on um, radio for 45 years, and, um, you know, we did advertisements, and you know how you do the flyers, and you put those on people's cars, and, I mean, nobody's doing flyers. Everything's emails anymore. And so, you know, it's so funny because in that transition, sometimes in meetings I would say, well, let's get a flyer out. And your group would look at me, nobody's doing flyers, Pastor, come on. Uh, you know, this is social media. They're doing text messages. They're sending emails. And that's taking the place of putting people out in the community door to door. I mean, not everybody. you got a generation uh, older than mine that's not computer savvy, that's not technical uh, or into technology, and, and they still need hands-on. I don't think we need to lose that group. I think we need to hold on to them. Uh, but uh, that change and having to make it, uh, you know, once I made it, once we came off radio, we were doing radio spots, and that's when uh, Justin came to me and said, you know, we're paying a lot for this. You get more buck for your money if we come off the radio. And I'm thinking, man, we've been on the radio 45 years. And you're talking about come off the radio? Come on, I got to pray about that, you know. <laughs> and so I, I said, well, let's give it a try. And, man, when we gave it a try and started live streaming, and they began to tell me who we were reaching and how we were reaching. And we went to online giving. And the first online giving we had, I said, man, we should have did this 10 years ago. You know, and uh, then I get calls from out of the country in Japan and Germany where they're watching us, you know, on Sundays. And my niece is a major in the military. She was in Japan. So she had a group that would watch us like it would be morning here, but it's night in Japan. And they would be watching live stream, and I'm going, nowhere in the world uh, the radio station we were on would be able to tele, you know, telecommunicate that. So, man, once I got hooked into this, man, they sold me. So I'm a goner, brother. <laughs> I'm a goner on this. We, uh, we sat down with Justin uh, a while back, and he was talking about, hey, we need to redo our website. And then we began to unpack what does a new brand look like for you guys. So little by little as we were working with uh, Justin, and uh, he really spearheaded a lot of this stuff, the, a lot of the conversations. And then he was, uh, he was talking in his podcast how he was careful to let you know about the results that you were beginning to see as a, as a, um, as a consequence of making some of these changes. And um, it's amazing how you got on board with that and were able to uh, allow him to do more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So it's kind of a snowball effect is, that's kind of how, what I've seen, that how it unfolded in your, your church. It was a snowball effect. Absolutely. And, and in that snowball effect, you know, first impressions, and, and that is very key. You look at in the uh, corporate world, you look at in the service community, that first impression by, by looking at a person's face, people get an impression of your ministry when they first see your brand, when they first see your logo. Uh, it represents to me the most enduring impression that a viewer takes with him after making contact and a lot of times when they come to our ministry for the first time as we do every Sunday first time visitors they go to our visitor center and they come in and they see the brand everywhere from the coffee cups to the coasters to the napkins to the gift bags that they get everything speaks EC and they go like wow I'm walking away with a memory, the first impression. Can you can you talk specifically about some of the things that 
you have maybe uh, seen made the biggest impact, some of the changes? We, we, we did some facility things. We created a room for visitors. We did a live streaming. You've, you've mentioned Facebook. And, but is there anything in particular that stands out to you that has had a great impact? Uh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that is, is communication, because I think that's the big word, communication, uh, the uh, signage that we have inside the church. Um, no one should have to come to your church and wonder where anything is. They should be able to walk in your hallways, come up on your grounds. Matter of fact, I remember I was upstairs a few years ago in my office and uh, my window was open. I have two offices, a study and an office where I really work at. Um, and so the window was open and we were having a funeral that Saturday. So I heard a, a little lady uh, say, looked out the window, a little older lady. She had to be in her 70s. And uh, she said, this is a big church. And they need some signs out here to tell you which door you go in. She said, which one of these doors? She's asking somebody. So they said, ma'am, you can go in this door here. And I thought about that. I said, uh, yeah, she's right. Because if you're coming up on the grounds for the first time, you got six or seven doors to go in. People are wondering, where's the front entrance? Where's the door? I mean, I would do that if I'm going to a facility for the first time. So I could see that that communication uh, it, it's a big thing when you come in, it tells you where the restrooms are, where the classrooms are, where the sanctuary is, because you're familiar with it because you know your house, but somebody else coming in don't know. So it gives them a sense of, um, of comfort, gives them a sense of ease when they don't have to wonder, where am I? Where do I go? What do I do? So that, that signage inside, uh, the logo many times represents something um, sometimes that uh, a person needs to interpret as opposed to someone trying to explain. They can look at it because it captures you. And I think that's the key thing in the communication. And then what you put out there visually captures the person and it really tells them what makes you different from anybody else. Yeah, speak to the logo just for a minute. Um, we went from your old logo, which had a cross, a dove, a Bible, very religious, had a um, uh, just a certain look to it. And now we have this uh, E and C and they, it looks very corporate. Can you speak towards like uh, what, it, what that means and how that begins to unpack? And Well, first of all, uh, in that, if you got the cross, you got the dove, you got, a whole, you got a lot of messages coming into one little logo here. So a person can look at that, say, I understand the cross. Okay, what does that dove mean? You know, I don't understand what that bird means. You know, so um, by having a simple, clear, uh, succinct logo allows a person to say, okay, I like the way that looks. That draws me in. Then it, as they're drawn in, it causes them to be able to inquire. to being, And so it gets rid of any barriers that a person might have. And I think for ministry today, you have a lot of seekers out there. You have a lot of people they don't know. Genesis to Revelation. Some of them have never been inside a church. You know, some of them, you know, matter of fact, in one of my religious classes, the professor asked how many had Bibles. A lot of people had never owned a Bible, but the Bible was part of the class, but they were curious. They were interested. What does this Bible mean? Who is Jesus? You know, uh, who is God for that matter? And I think that when you have something that draws people in, that gets rid of any religious or stigma barriers that you have, they're more apt to really want to inquire and be a part. And particularly if it is that first impression 
that captures them is like, yeah, let me see what this is all about. Well, we've talked about in the past how the logo is really this, the, the tip of the spear. And I think especially in your um, uh, case that we're talking about today, uh, everything that you do has that it follows the logo. So everything you just talked about, uh, any T-shirt designs that we have, um, it's not very religious. It's, it's really meant to appeal to the community. And uh, then they can you know, be attracted by that and come in and hear the message. So we want to attract them first and then uh, bring them in so that they can hear the message that you have. Can you talk about your audience? Do you, do you have a specific, uh, I don't know, description when you think about the people that you are trying to reach? Well, uh, all people matter to God. So it's not like we're, I often tell our church, we're not a black church, we're the church. So we're not trying to reach just a particular culture. All people matter to God. Matter of fact, if you come to our church, we have a multicultural, multiracial, international congregation. Uh, we, have a fam we have families that don't speak English very well but they love the church, they participate, they're learning their English, I'm trying to learn their language, and uh, it's just an exciting time of learning. We have interracial marriages at our church, uh, and, and they say to me all the time, these families say, you know, the great thing about being a part of a ministry like this is that everybody feels like family. So it's not like somebody looks at you strange and say, what are you doing here? You're not part of us. No, you matter to God. So that's the mentality of our membership, of our people. When you come in, we have the five handoffs. So when you hit the parking lot, you're greeted with radical hospitality, you know, and they have uh, been trained to, uh, to look for new faces. Are you new here? Your first time here? We're delighted to have you. Man, you know what that does to somebody? Smile. I've gone to churches, and, and when I'm out of town, sometimes I like to go just see what I can pick up, what I can learn. I remember going to one church and I sat in the back. This was one of their Sunday evening services and no one spoke to me. No one came by and said anything to me. And they had a guest speaker from a particular state from the East Coast. And the speaker got up and uh, said, if I'm not mistaken, and this is, I'm on the East Coast. So I think that's Pastor Vaughn from Kansas City back there. Somebody needs to go get him. And so all these people are rushing to me you know, and come and say, oh, yes, yes, come on. I said, no, no, I'm okay back here. But my point on that, and I share with our leadership team and I share with our people, why would it matter who I was? Why would I have to be Pastor Vaughn for Kansas City to now get somebody to speak to me and receive hospitality? I felt the minute I walked in, someone, two or three, four, five, should have come and said, how are you? Your first time here? Tell us who you are. Who do you know here? Someone invite you? How'd you hear about us? And that's what we do. At AC, and I think that's what allows us to be able to touch the different ethnic groups and cultures that we're able to reach is because of our love. Did not Jesus say, "All oh, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have." Love attracts. Yeah, love attracts. Oh, that's, that's good. That's a magnet. You, know? you got another T-shirt right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. I got to write that down. Justin, love attracts. <laughs> and my dad started that 52 years ago. His his his. Branding for our ministry was love makes a difference. Mm. It wasn't in a logo, but everybody knew that. Yeah. They said love makes a difference. As a matter of fact, uh, I was just going through some archives last night, and it's online. I said, let me Google my dad's name. And his tombstone came up, beautiful grass, and on the tombstone it has love makes a difference. Wow. Yeah, so that has been 52 years ago, and we're still carrying that. Love does make the difference.
Oh, that's great. Yeah, we just changed, uh, interpreted or extended the interpretation, all people matter to God. Yeah, yeah. I think just to add to your conversation there, you are very attracted to a lar large group of people. Uh, one of the things that uh, Justin and I have worked out is the to reach a younger generation. And you talked about that too. It's like uh, a lot of what has happened is just shifting. So in the different ways that we promote uh, the church and different things that you're doing, it's in different uh, channels or lanes where the younger generation, this, this millennial generation, will, will get hold of it. And we found that the healthiest churches are the churches that are being intentional uh, to reach out to that, that generation. And as a result of that, everyone else is very attracted to that. It's got an energy and a buzz and excitement Absolutely. that's taking place. So what are um, the, a lot of times I come across uh, churches where there's a, an older congregation there and they're providing the support for the ministry. Um, do you have a, a way or a tip or something that you can say that helps uh, maybe a church leader that's out there understand how to get those people on board uh, with, with the vision that, that, uh, to reach younger people? Uh, one of the things, Mike, I think is, is very key, and that's keeping a pulse on the congregation. Yeah. You know, uh, every member should be engaged in participation of some kind when it comes to carrying out the mission of the church. And um, I think when you look at the younger generation coming along, and most churches uh, begin to plateau at about 40 years if they've not prepared the next generation to take on the leadership or if they have not um, been conducive to making a shift or to change. Um, and you heard me mention earlier millennials. And first of all, Justin brings to the table um, that perspective and that viewpoint uh, from his generation. Um, and I think that generation has to be represented in leadership. Uh, when that generation comes, whether they're visiting with older family members or they've grown up, gone off to college, they come back relocating to your community or they're looking for church, they need to know that they have a voice. They need to know that their generation is represented in some form in ministry, and that attracts them. I once heard a statement that uh, your, your generation is probably not the the solution for the next generation like you, you're probably not going to have the ideas that are going to reach the next generation you've got to reach down in a way to somebody that's in that culture to help get that messaging across the right messaging to to reach that that culture so what would you say to uh to young pastors or even older pastors out there that are saying um that are trying to reach new people like what, what's the key to reaching new people um, in, in that next generation or even just in, in, in your church culture? Like you guys are reaching people in different ways. You're going out there and you're doing uh, community service events. You're cleaning up the block. You're, um, you're out there serving the homeless. Um, you're very active as a church. Is that the method? Is that the, the big idea in order to reach new people to get this visibility out there? I think that's part of it. Uh, contrary to what uh, some want to believe about this generation, uh, you know, and what I've seen, there's a craving in them for, for meaning and for depth, and they want freedom to what feeds them. Uh, they aren't pinned down to traditional jobs like our parents' generation uh, was pinned down for retirement. This generation now uh, will work jobs 
And when the next opportunity comes along, wherever they can go to advance themselves, make themselves better, uh, then they're going to do that. They aren't pinned down to traditional churches where grandparents bought the stained glass and the family name is on a faded gold plate on the side of a pew where they bought the pew 50 years ago. Um, and part of that, they're looking for faith communities that fulfill them and do not simply just check off of a box of their to-do list or, or, or what they want. Uh, a denominational label now for this generation has little to do with where they will place their allegiance. They want to find a church home uh, that is doing things like you mentioned that has substance, has truth, rather than rules and dogma. I mean, that's just out of the window right now for this next generation. And for them, it's not so much about believing the right things as doing the right things, like serving the neighborhood, uh, being kind instead of passing judgment, and uh, taking a Bible and beating somebody across the head with it. Uh, they want to be a part of a ministry, of a uh, community that places of acceptance and love has hospitality uh, for the downcast that, uh, in, in other words, an extended hand from inside the walls of the church, extended feet from inside the walls of the church to say to community and to the community issues and the community ills, you know, we're a church that care and I wanna be a part of that group that's about that mission. So what would you say to the leader? There's some leaders out there. I mean, we're, we're here talking about Facebook and live streaming and uh, websites and responsive websites and uh, all these different things. Some, there's some leaders out there that are just, they, they're resistant to that. They, they're just like, hey, look, I just need to preach the gospel and then let God do his thing. What's your message to, to that? Well, every pastor has got to be willing to look himself in the face and ask himself, you know, am I doing really what I've been called to do? If you're a pastor, you're going to have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I passionate about my call? Am I passionate? Can anybody tell that I'm passionate? Because congregations tend to mirror their leaders and what they do, what they see in them. Uh, they need to be able to tell that every decision you make as a leader has its foundation in the Word of God. And over the years, what have you decided even to delegate to others? And I think that's very important because prevailing pastors from the biggest to the smallest are all personally involved uh, and need to be involved in first steps. And that clearly conveys that uh, to a believer for Christian growth, uh, what that looks like. Is it tangible? Is it real? How do you relate, first of all, to the community in which you find yourself? Because I think a church is no more effective than it is in the community that it finds itself in. We can't just have drive-by churches where people, because they're part of our church, because they have relatives there, they're part of our church because that's where they grew up, but now they don't live in the community, they're out. We need to be able to have that connection and that bond with the community and the people around our churches because that's the thing I believe that's gonna bring revival, that's gonna bring an awakening, is getting out of the four walls of the church. That's really good. You know, we, uh, one of the things we, we do is we videotape some of the things, we, we capture on video some of the things you guys do in the community, um, and we post it on Facebook, or we post it on the website, and we promote it. And you know, in scripture, Jesus talks about letting your light shine so that people can be drawn to God. 
and in a lot of ways that we we want to do that we want to show that your church evangelistic center bishop bond is in the community serving the community and by by having a video crew come out so to speak or a photographer come out and shoot photos and create this media and then promote it and put it out there to say hey look we're here serving we're here for you i think there's something to that you know like 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 you were saying just saying hey we're part of this community Right, and uh, we had a outreach, and I think you guys were there filming and taping in the Boston Daniel Park, right? What's considered as the inner city it was so funny, uh, because as one of your guys was taping and was taking pictures, one of the guys that came up, we were giving out blankets to the homeless and giving out hot soup. It was kind of cold that day, but we were out there ministering, and so one of the guys yelled at your camera guy, said, "Don't put that camera on me. I might go to jail." <laughs> But those are the kind of people that you have. He said, oh, don't put that camera on me. They see my face. I might go to jail. And I said, yeah, warrants out. Come on. Is that what you think? But those are the kind of people that's out there, you know. And those are the kind of people that we want to reach. You know, every pastor needs a why that makes him cry. Every pastor, you know. You don't need a ton of proof to know more and more that churches are struggling to survive. I see that pastors are crying out all the time. Matter of fact, we have something in the making now. Uh, to create a podcast ministering pastor to pastor. And uh, there are a lot of books, a lot of seminars, a lot of workshops given on how to go about reviving the church. But I tell you what, there's not a cookie cutter, there's not foolproof and effective strategy in reviving the church. Having said that, it doesn't mean that it is impossible. But there are many examples of pastors out there struggling churches successfully uh, they've been revived increased the health of the church expanded the ministry uh, but in some denominations pastors come and go but it's the congregants it's the parishioners and members that make up the identity make up the flavor and ultimately affect the future direction of a congregation you can be a pastor with great vision but without people the vision will perish you know you need those people and those people need to be con uh, uh, connected and they need to know who they are as a congregation. Rick Warren once said, you will attract who you are, not who you want. How, how has your team changed? Like you, you, t you talked about that uh, maybe during the shift. Uh, mm -hmm. Has it gotten younger? Have you gotten, like, what, what does it look like, the, the people you have around? I think we have a mixture. And I think the danger in ministry now, particularly young pastors and, and new churches that are starting, and I just want to caution them that, that, it's okay to be innovative. It's okay to have new ideas, but everything has to have a foundation. Okay, we just can't throw away the tradition and act like that the past did not give us anything. The past gave you a foundation. Uh, you know, we're here in this beautiful building right now, and uh, it looks wonderful, interior, contemporary furniture here in this conference room. But I tell you what, if this foundation of this building goes bad, Nobody wants to be in here because it's a risk. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, it can be a house that can have beautiful carpet. It can just have the greatest architectural design. But if that foundation's bad, nobody's going to buy that house. Yeah. You know, and a person that understands the importance of foundation will look at a building, will look at a house, and the first question they will ask, how's the foundation? Is there any infrastructure problems? That's the stuff you can't see. You know, we can get all of the entertaining, all of the glamour. We can do um, all of the commercials and all the promos. But if we have a ministry that doesn't have a foundation, I'm going to show you a house that's going to be pretty shaky. Mm -hmm. you got to have the foundation. And you can't just advertise a product 
or, or, or be a business and advertise, have wonderful logos and have wonderful models. And when people come, the service is not good and people don't even understand where they come from or the history of the house or the history of the business. Oh, that's good. So before you start promoting some stuff, make sure you got something worth promoting. Because you're going to have storms. (laughs) Any ministry is going to have them. Any pastor is going to have your Elijah moments. You'll have your God moments where you just know God is with you and you're going to take this world for Jesus Christ. And you're going to have those moments where you feel the world has you by the seat of the pants. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be asking God, where are you now? Mm -hmm. You know, you're discouraged, you're fatigued, you're emotionally exhausted. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with personalities. You're dealing with issues. You know, Jesus, he himself, um, you know, had to take a trip and go get a break from the multitude. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sleeping on the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, storm comes up. They wondering, you know, how can you sleep in the storm? <laughs> you don't know who I am. <laughs> and so when I see a lot of pastors, uh, young pastors, they call me, and I'm having this issue, I'm having this problem, and they wonder why I'm so calm. And I've been there, been through the storm. I've weathered it, you know. I, I know what that pattern looks like, yeah. and I know you'll be all right, too, yeah. if you have a foundation, if you're on solid rock. That's good. Is there any other message that you want to give to a young pastor or a leader that's out there to encourage them or to help them think about something differently? Yes. Um, I want to say to, to young pastors that are out there, uh, visitors can tell if a church is not being authentic uh, to who they really are. And one of the key things to leadership is picking the right leadership team because no pastor can do it all by himself. Knowing who you are as a church and what the current needs of the congregation are is vital to searching and choosing the right leadership team because a good leader needs a good follower. And I think you're, you're going around right now, like your, your next steps, uh, you're talking to a bunch of different churches uh, you're getting ready to start this podcast. I guess, can you just unpack, what, what's, your, what's your vision moving forward? My vision moving forward, Brother Mike, um, is preparing for the future. Uh, every structure should creatively facilitate and reiterate outreach. And effective outreach and evangelism doesn't happen unless the structure of the church supports outreach efforts. And, and when I look at where we're going, I look at our communities, our societies, how our world has changed. We've changed not only the way that uh, our leadership team functions, but even how they meet. Uh, there's less time spent. We have a thing this year, we say 40% church, 60% outreach. We want to spend that time, not just a lot of time in planning and actually dreaming, but spent our time implementing our outreach efforts mm-hmm. uh, because outreach efforts should prepare the way for the direction of the future of the church. For example, if you want to attract more families, uh, it could be uh, that you need to survey, see what the needs are of the community, see what the times are demanding. People are busy. People now, when they're seeking out for ministries, families, they want a church as minister to the children. Do you have a nursery? Do you have children's church? Do you have youth church? And if you can provide those things for them, do you have something for family, for couples, then it's a buy-in for them. So I'm looking at preparing for the future. What's going to happen? How will EC look 20 years from now? 
how will they look 30 years from now? If I'm 62 and I'm still around 30 years from now, I'll be 92. How is the church going to look? You know, no ministry should die with the leader. Vision, no man has uh, all of it in his lifetime. Vision should outlive the leader. That's good. So I, I love your passion for this, this, this big, uh, having something that's last, lasting. It's going to be far beyond you. It's going to be around. And, uh, you know, every time I talk to you, you're, you're always trying to encourage uh, other people to, to get on board with this big idea. You know, you, that's your message. You're, you just keep on trying to get it out there in different ways. Um, you're even going through some uh, college classes right now. Yes, I'm working on my master's in science management at the wonderful Mid-American Nazarene University yeah. in Olathe, Kansas. So I'm really excited. It's an exciting journey. I'm expanding my horizons, and I've always made a commitment to myself that I'll be a lifelong learner. I'm so grateful that Bishop Vaughn came on the podcast today on the Church Brain Guide podcast. We have show notes on the uh, the website, on the blog itself, churchbrainguide.com. But I'm always thrilled to talk with Bishop Vaughn. He's such a great, great person. I just, uh, it's just a great friendship that has developed over the years. Uh, we started working with him and, and building websites and logos and different things like that. And we do a lot with him now. Uh, we've talked about some of this stuff in our in the podcast and and in a previous podcast with uh, Justin Vaughn. And uh, but we do a lot with this uh, with with Justin and Bishop Vaughn. And uh, it's been a wonderful friendship that's been developed. And I think the, the key to the wonderful things that we have done is there the ability that Bishop Vaughn has just to trust us to, to help him. So he's, he's trusting us to be really good at what we do. And he gives us the input and the, uh, the kind of information that we need to then create a really strong promotional piece uh, or a video or a great website for the church or for his ministry or for the conference that they do. So we get to just have a great time working with Bishop Vaughn and shining in different ways uh, through his ministry, just allowing him to uh, get the message out there in a very effective way because of the knowledge and the expertise that we have. So once you find some, some, someone or some agency that's able to, to help you execute at a very high level, you you should trust them. I think that's one of the great things just from my perspective that we've we've experienced with Bishop Vaughn. It's just that high level of trust that we um, we're able to uh, to to move forward with big, big ideas and then uh, see them come to fruition and then uh, just have it be a blessing to to Bishop Vaughn, to the ministry, to the community, and even to the uh, the the ministry that goes across the uh, the country that Bishop Vaughn has. So that's a big takeaway that I think is a, is a huge value that uh, you can lean into as a church leader. Today I want to tell you about a resource, a book that is called The Power of Failure by Fran Tarkington. Uh, Fran Tarkington used to be a, a football player, in fact a, a quarterback and an amazing quarterback um, back in his day. And he, uh, he became a businessman after he left the NFL. In fact, when, when he was in the NFL, he, he, in the offseason, in order to make enough money, he would actually go out and do jobs, side jobs. And then after he got out of the, uh, the league, he turned that into a career. Um, and the book itself just unpacks this, this idea of being bold with ideas and going after things, trying things, 
and then not being afraid to fail because every time you fail you learn and then you can do it better so Fran uh, tells a lot of stories about starting new businesses new corporations uh, having big ideas that are global ideas and then going after it and just being brave and courageous to uh, to really seek after um, these big ideas so it's a fun read the book is a great read but it's also very inspirational just to encourage the the big thinking that I, that I truly believe God has put inside of each of us you know a lot of times we see something that's terrible happening in the world and and sometimes we, we come to the thought of man why would God allow this to happen why doesn't he do something about it and and I believe God's looking back at us saying I did I created you now do something about it and I, I love that mentality that Fran shares in his book and that, and I feel it's something that we can all kind of gain from especially as church leaders that we can uh, we can step into big ideas um, make a make a dent in the universe as Steve Jobs used to used to put it um, change the world in some way so a uh, great book again it's called the power of failure and I think it's a big idea that you know, a lot of people just have to get past that that failure is not a bad thing. It's it's actually something to be embraced and it's a good thing. And Walt Disney, he has a quote that I just remembered reading a while back. It says that everyone should have a good failure early on. And basically what he meant by that is that if you fail early on, then you know it's not that bad. And it gives you this confidence that, hey, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Let's try it. And uh, you try a lot of things moving forward with that mentality. So um, just want to encourage you. That's a great book. Uh, make sure you uh, take a look at it. Um, also join us on the blog itself. We love to give you free resources there and uh, always keep you up to date on different things. So make sure you get those free resources and uh, give us a ranking on iTunes. Uh, I always ask for that. Uh, the rankings are huge. In fact, if you'd like to leave a comment, that's a really big deal to us. I love to hear comments and see, uh, see what you guys are enjoying. Uh, maybe what what you wish was different, anything like that. I just, either way, uh, really appreciate taking the time to do that. So thanks again for joining me on the Church Brain Guide podcast, and I'll see you next time.